Good morning, Crossroads. Welcome to our Sunday morning worship celebration where we love celebrating Jesus even more than parents love filling out all those back-to-school forms that they could have just used last year's forms and just changed 2013 to 2014 on, but did not. Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by exalting the glory of God, sharing and showing the love of Christ, and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now here's this week's message. God, we are yours, not just now, but for all eternity. For that, we give you praise and glory and honor. Pray that you would bless the rest of our time together and that we would be a blessing to you by giving you our whole heart, whole mind this morning, Lord. Thank you and praise you. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 You may be seated. While uh, you guys are being seated, I was supposed to remind you guys, and I forgot, so I will do it now, that uh, the Hathorne family donated uh, several books. Have you guys read The Case for Christ? Anyone heard of it? Anyone read it? A couple of people. Outstanding book by an atheist, a practicing atheist, who was an investigative reporter for a newspaper, and because of his wife's faith in Christ, said, I'm going to set out and I'm going to investigate this with the intent on showing her that you're putting your faith in nothing real and ended up becoming a Christian and a pastor, giving his life to Christ. There's several of these on the back table. Feel free to take them. If you've already read it, but you know someone who, wow, this would really make an impact in their life, uh, feel free to grab one and hand it out to them as well. Meanwhile, uh, we're going to continue this morning with a series that uh, kind of we've been doing all summer long called This is the Gospel, but I want to focus on, again, Uh, something that Stephen started a couple of weeks ago. He talked about things Christ said about his return. And last week we kind of looked at, well, yeah, we know he's coming back, but here's what we as the church are supposed to be doing while he's gone. This week I want to look about, and this is a a true question because I've I've, I've just been talking to people and you guys have been talking to people as well. It's not so much what do we do while he's gone, It's how do we survive in a world that has seemingly gone crazy while he's gone. I mean, if you look around on the news, it seems like people have literally lost their minds. Now, we're still talking about the gospel because we're supposed to go out and share the gospel uh, to people in this craziness that we call the world. And we said, if you don't know Jesus Christ, the gospel, the good news is here's what Jesus wants to say to you. Here's what he wants to reveal to you. And if you do know Jesus Christ, here is what Jesus wants you to tell others about him. All right. Now, which goes back to the question, how are we supposed to go and, and share this good news The fact that, like we talked about last week, that Jesus loved us enough that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, born in the flesh, to suffer and die, to wipe away our sins, wipe away everything that separates us from God, and then rose again on the third day, just like we talked about last week, to show that, hey, this is real, this is not just a myth or a story, this is for real, proof that we can put our faith and trust in him. But how are we supposed to go share that good news in a world that is literally spinning out of control. I mean, um, if you just look, anyone like read, I stopped, I, I try to keep up on the news, but I literally 
Christy and I, we stopped watching the news. We have to, like, turn it off because there's so much madness on the news. But just in the last couple of weeks, uh, I want to share just a couple of headlines with you. First and foremost, for those that you that don't know, wow, uh, the whole Russian war, Ukrainian thing, you guys have heard about that? Totally out of control. Now, some of you may not remember this, but some of you do remember, like, the Russian Cold War, uh, like where there was always this threat between the U.S. and Russia of who was Russia going to attack or what were they going to do? And some of you remember, anyone remember the, uh, what is it called, the Cuban Missile Crisis? Like that almost brought like nuclear war to the brink, like last minute thing with showdown with Russia and, and it's just out of control. And for some of us, we're like, this is just another nation at war. For some of you, it's like, oh my gosh, here we go again, back on the crazy train, right? Because it's like, war again, and Russia's like out of control. Israel is at war again. And some of you, this has been throughout your life. Every couple of years, someone's attacking Israel. Israel has to defend themselves. Someone's going out. And as Stephen pointed out, these are increasing. It used to be every 10, 15 years. Now it's literally every two or three years where there is some incursion into Israel and someone attacks Israel. And these again are what Stephen said, signs that Jesus is coming back. Also, and I don't know if you guys have heard about this, and I hope I'm not mispronouncing it, the Ebola virus, like out of control. Stephen pointed that out as well. This just, it, I mean, there are things going on that we probably didn't think of when we were kids, or we thought of one or the other, but not all, boom, 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 going on at once. And this is happening today in our world. Now, in our nation, just in our nation, we have, and I don't know how, how many of you guys are familiar with this, but I know Michelle Obama and Katie Couric, probably some other people, have gotten on a train to say that we have an overeating problem in our nation. Have any of you guys heard that on the news or people doing things about that? Here is the reality. In our nation, we have one facet of people saying we have people dying from overeating, but in the same nation, we have people starving to death because they have no food. In the same nation where they say, you guys, you know, your cholesterol is going to kill you. You're eating too much of this. You're eating too much. And I love food. But in the same nation, sometimes in some of the same states, in same cities, people are going, you know, overeating. You're going to die from that. People are dying because they have literally no food to eat. Now, also in our nation, I don't know how many of you guys have been keeping tabs on this, but there's a woman who listens to our podcast and I see her post specifically about this because she lives in that area. Chicago, in Chicago, the murder rate has gotten, like, out of control. To date, this year, I think they have had 237 murders, 40 in July alone. And this is, this is 16 over the 4th of July weekend. Just that weekend. This is not in some little you know, suburban area. This is in one of the major cities in the United States. In another of the major cities in the United States, I don't know how many of you guys were aware of this, the city of Detroit bankrupt. The whole city bankrupt. I don't know if any of you have ever had to declare bankruptcy or had a family member declare bankruptcy, but this whole city had to declare bankruptcy. That means that there are people who are working who have no idea whether or not they're going to get paid but they're still required to go to work. They're still required to pay their mortgage, otherwise they're going to lose their homes. The entire city is in a financial crisis, and our entire nation is in a financial crisis. 
most people acknowledge it for what it is. We have a spending crisis because we're spending way more than what we're making. And we as Christ followers, the church, we're supposed to go out into this madness, you know, swimming through the silly soup and tell people, hey, God loves you. Jesus has a plan for your life. And God came and sent his son so that you could spend eternity with him. So not only are people who are dealing, seeing all the same stuff that we're seeing, craziness out in the world, are we supposed to go out to them? But when we do, you know what they tell us? They say, why in the world should I listen to you? Because uh, there's not just a financial crisis in our nation, but there's financial crises, 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 financial bad stuff. (laughs) going on in churches. Now, again, I keep turning off the news, but every time I turn it back on and I see this locally, locally, this is in and around Pittsburgh. Every single week, someone is on the news for embezzling tens of thousands of dollars from the church. Have have you guys seen that on the news? Every single week, somebody, now it doesn't mean that every week someone steps up and does it. Every week someone is caught who has been doing it for weeks or months or years. And, and th- we're going out to these people saying, hey, trust us, we have the truth. And they're looking at us and saying, you're getting robbed blind. Why should we trust you? Now, not only is that happening in a church, but also within a church, there are situations where it's the pastors who are robbing people, who are misusing funds, who are, you know what? I'm going to limit my pay, but I'm also going to use the church's money for my, you know, family to go to Hawaii or whatever. And they look at us and say, why should I trust you? And not only that, but I saw this in the news, and I'm sure I was talking to some of you. We've seen this this week, and it's not the first time, but there's also sexual things going on in the church where you guys saw that the the youth pastor of one church was uh, uh, arrested because he was having inappropriate relationships with a um, minor, a 15-year-old girl. And the very next newscast, it was like, here's the 5 o'clock news. At 6 o'clock news, there was another pastor uh, of a church in Homestead. And I'm not trying to call these people out. This isn't the only place that's going on who was arrested, but he was having inappropriate relationships with a minor that was a boy. So even within the church, we're looking at the world and saying, you guys have lost your mind. You need Jesus. They're looking at us and saying, you guys have lost your mind. Because what's Jesus doing for you? You're just as crazy, if not more so, uh, than we are. So what in the ham sandwich are we supposed to do to be able to go out and minister to these people? Because that's what Jesus didn't call us to, hey, sit inside this building, have a kumbaya moment, go home and eat chicken and have a great Sunday afternoon. He called us to come together as the church, the public assembly, so that we are to be a witness, whether it be in here or out there, a witness and go out and share this thing called the gospel, the good news. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, this is what we're going to do. We're going to look at some answers to some of this this week. But then in a couple of weeks, we're going to come back and answer some more. Because here's the reality. I can, I can as, I, as I go through the Bible, I can reveal and teach all, all kind of stuff. Uh, that's true that you can follow in your Bible. This is how we should live, how we should deal with stuff, how we should struggle. But here's the reality. Here's the reality. I may not bring up a topic or a question that you have or a struggle that you're dealing with or a struggle that someone that you work with is dealing with. So I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward for uh, one more time. 
And I'm going to ask them to pass out these uh, little questionnaires and uh, take a look at them now. You don't have to fill them out right now. We're going to come back and go over them in a minute. Um, There's some pens on the back table. Can you grab some pens? And I want you guys to fill these out and then leave them like on the back table or, 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 uh, yeah, just leave them on the back table. You don't have to put your names on them, but we're, I'm going to use that over the next couple of weeks, the information that you give me that's going to tell us, hey, what do we want to hear from God? Give us a role to teach. And uh, we're going to come back to those in a few minutes. We're going to come back and go over it, and you're going to see why it's relevant to what we're talking about today. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. You'll see why it's relevant to what we're talking about today. But for right now, really quick, open your Bible to the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one somewhere on the table in front of you, uh, to the left or right of you, or not. if it's not on the table, under the seat, uh, to the left or right, somewhere around there, there should be a... Bible and turn to John chapter 10. And if you haven't filled these out, if you don't have time to fill them out right now, we're going to take some time. We're literally going to intentionally take some time uh, in just a few minutes for you guys to look at that, answer some questions uh, and fill them out. But John chapter 10. All right. And starting in verse 11, here's what it says. John chapter 10, verse 11. This is what Jesus says. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Now, this is important, right? Because he was communicating to a bunch of people that were farmers. So they would understand the role of a shepherd. We don't have too many shepherds here. Anyone know a shepherd? We all probably know someone who does some farming, but we're not in that shepherding role. If he were talking to us today, he would say, like I know Brandon's into, you know, and... um, Sorry, Brandon and Chuck are into like computer stuff. So he would say to the computer-minded people, I am the good IT person. And they would say there is no good IT person. But that's that's how he would communicate to the computer-minded people. If he were talking to, let's say, hunters, because we got a lot of hunters, you know, in and around Pittsburgh area, he would say, I am the good marksman. Always hit on target. And people would say, oh, they would immediately respond because they understand uh, what a marksman is and how important it is to hit your target. If he were talking to, um, let's say, bankers, you know, he would say, I am the good financial consultant. Or, if you guys remember this, how many people remember this? Uh, He would say, I am E.F. Hutton. How many people remember the E.F. Hutton commercials? When E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. Yeah. That was cool. I was looking at the, the video for that online. Amazing. Of course, they no longer exist. They were bought out, so they weren't that good. But he would say, I am the good financial consultant. Now, if he were speaking to me and the geek-minded superhero sci-fi fantasy type people, he would say, like, I am Batman. And he would have our attention immediately. But he was getting their attention because he said, I am the good shepherd. And the shepherd was the end-all and be-all to the sheep. He protected them from harm. He provided their food. He gave them direction. He gave them guidance. He told them, hey, here's when you go in uh, 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 at night. Uh, Here's when you come out. Here's the place where you can get the most food. He took care of them. So from their mindset, they understood immediately, wow, he's saying that he's the protector, the provider. He's the, the caretaker to us all. All right? Now, at the same time, he's saying this to people that were living in Rome, that were living, dealing with a lot of the same crazy, not so much, but a lot of the same crazy, where they had religious leaders uh, who were self-minded. They had a government 
that was under oppression by a stronger, another government. There was the constant threat of war between uh, the Jews and the Romans constantly. And if you study uh, some of the Roman um, history during that time, it's even like worse and bloodier. The, The uprisings were so bloody that the Roman emperor at the time happened to be favorable to the Jews, but the Roman uh, governor at the time who was in charge of them wanted to crush them because he hated them. And there was this, this, this constant struggle of when can I smash, when can I kill, when can I... But okay, I'm, I'm, I got to back off because, you know, one government likes and one government doesn't. That being said, the Jewish government said, hey, we know that they don't like us, so we're going to push uprisings, but we also know that the Roman government likes us, so we're going to take bribes. We're going to line our own pockets, and we're not going to be about what the people need. We're going to be about what we need. So they had their own brand of crazy going on, and amongst this, Jesus comes to them and says, hey, I am the good shepherd, which immediately in their minds meant I'm the protector. I can keep you. I have your best interest at part. Now, if you think about it, and most of us don't on a regular basis, from a sheep perspective, there was a constant threat of danger, right, from both human and animal. Animals wanted to come and eat the sheep. The shepherd was the only line of defense they had. Humans wanted to come and steal the sheep because you can then eat them or sell the money, sell the clothing for money, or you can just steal them because you needed food and you can eat them, or you can steal them because you wanted to. Either, either way, humans and animals were a threat, and the only person protecting them uh, were the sheep. Now, was the shepherd. Drop down to verse 12. And this is what it says. He says, the hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So he doesn't have your best interest at heart. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And this is what Jesus was telling them and what he's communicating to us that, hey, Even when there's people out to get you, even when there's a crazy, constant threat that goes to upset the natural balance of the way your life should go, Jesus says you cannot put your faith in men, which means we shouldn't be putting our faith in government. Governments are going to change. When we lived in the Virginia area, we had friends that worked in high places in the government until the government changed, and then they lost their jobs. And even when it was within the same party, because, hey, it was this person, but even within the same party, a different person comes to power, they have their own people they want to bring in. And they have their own way of doing things to meet their party's goals, which is why you cannot put your faith in people. You cannot put your faith in government. You cannot put your faith in pastors. You can listen to what I say, but you should be checking out everything uh, that I say against the word of God. And if you see me going astray or preaching some weird stuff, you need to call me on it. You need to let other people know. Um, and, and I, am, I, I always tell you guys, pull out your Bible, look at it. I want you to see I'm not making this stuff up. This is what the word of God says, all right? But Jesus is telling them, hey, don't put your faith in, in other people or in, in things because they don't have your best interest at heart. As soon as things get shaky, they're going to cut, they're going to run. Jesus says, I am going to be there for you because I am the good shepherd, all right? Verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, this is important because he says, 
the reason why I'm not going to cut and run on you, the reason why even when things get crazy, when you're swimming through the silly soup and ducking under crazy crackers and you're like, what in the world is going on? The reason why he says that I'm going to stay there is because I know you and this is important as the father knows me. The relationship that we're supposed to have with Jesus Christ is one where, and I'm not saying that we are God, I'm not saying that, but we're supposed to have the kind of relationship through his Holy Spirit where we can go to him all the time and as much love as God has for his son, that's how much love Jesus Christ has for us, which is why when things get bad, when things go crazy, when things are going wild out in the world and even in the church, if we have that relationship and we put our faith and trust in God, he says, I got this. I can handle all the crazy. I can protect you. I can keep you. I can give you guidance. I can be your provider. But we have to keep our faith and our trust in him. All right? Drop down to verse 16. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. And he says, hey, I lay down my life for you because we have that, we're, we're, we're that close. I love you that much. I lay down my life for me. And this is important. He says, I have the authority to do it. God gives me the authority to do it. And here's the important thing. That is why you should put your faith and trust in him, no matter how crazy things are going. He says, I will guarantee that I have you, that I have this, that you're not going to like get swept up in the storm of crazy going on. Now, that doesn't mean that we won't deal with the consequences of someone else's crazy because it happens even in our own families. You know, someone does something really crazy and stupid. We have to deal with the consequences of their actions, but we can keep our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Paul says it this way in the book of 2 Corinthians. This is what he says. He says, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. Us, meaning Paul writing about the apostles, and you would apply to all of us that put our faith in Jesus Christ, that he allows us to stand firm. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So his Holy Spirit in us is, number one, we have a direct line to the Father. Number two, it is a guarantee that God says, hey, I know it's going crazy, but all of the things that I have promised, I will do for you. I can do for you. I can provide for you. I can keep you. I can protect you. I can do these things. And the guarantee he gives us is his Holy Spirit. And this is important because I was talking to... um, I can't remember. I was talking to someone last week and they were saying, how can we know for sure that 
God will do these things. God will keep us. God will protect us. That God is the right way. Because there's over 400,000 different denominations running off across the planet. And this is the only one where we have a supreme being who doesn't just say, believe what I wrote. He puts his Holy Spirit in us so that we cannot just believe and hope that it's true, that we know it's a guarantee that God can do what he said that he can do. And I've said before, if you don't have God's Holy Spirit in you, you need to go back and pray and say, God, you know what? I thought I gave my life to you. Maybe I was just following your book. Maybe I was just following people into the building. But if you don't have God's Holy Spirit in you, you don't have his guarantee. You need to go back, and that's a conversation that you need to have with God because it's like walking away from... um, Anyone remember layaway stuff? I think Kmart's doing layaway again. Like walking away from something you put on layaway and you're all excited because you bought this gift and you put it on layaway and you're making payments on it. But then when you go to pick it up, you, don't, you, you didn't get the ticket that says it's yours. So when you go to pick it up, there's no guarantee, even though you've been making payments on it, that they're going to believe you and that they're going to give you what you expect. But God says, I give you a guarantee. He signs us. He seals us. He anoints us with his Holy Spirit so that we never have to doubt. Now, that being said, although they heard Jesus say this, although he said that I am the good shepherd and he knew immediately, this is what happened next. I'm going to put the next verse up on the screen. In John chapter 10, verse 19 to 21, this kind of talk, and this is the message version, which normally it's a paraphrase, so normally I don't use it, but the verbiage here captures the spirit and the intent of what was going on. Uh, In verse 19, this kind of talk caused another split in the Jewish ranks. A lot of them were saying he's crazy, a maniac, out of his head completely. Why bother listening to him? But others weren't so sure. These aren't the words of a crazy man. Can a maniac open blind eyes? And from our perspective, this is what's going on in the church. There are people today in the church calling themselves Christ followers who are saying, well, maybe God didn't exactly mean what he said in his word. Maybe God didn't really mean he was going to give us his Holy Spirit. Maybe God didn't really mean that we're all going to go to heaven or that those who reject him are going to go to hell. Maybe Jesus didn't really represent God in the flesh. Maybe he was just a man. These are what people in the church were saying. They're splitting over what they believe. And some people like them saying he's crazy. He's a maniac. He's out of his mind. Some people are saying, well, why bother? Like I said in the beginning, why bother listening to Christ when in the church, they're going through the same amount of crazy that we're going through out in the church. And a lot of people are saying, I'm not sure what to believe. I have no idea what to do. Now, I don't know if you've ever had this. Have you ever gone to someone and you go to them uh, to share the gospel, maybe to, to uh, tell them about Jesus, maybe to give them a book, maybe to share a verse, maybe they're going through something and you want to encourage them. And when you do, and they're like, that makes sense, but I, I, just, I, just, I just really can't believe you because I hear all this bad stuff that's going on in the church. And it makes people pull away from God. Now, I know this doesn't sound like a positive message. I'm going to get there. But also, when people hear about what's going on in the world, Christ followers, and I've had this conversation with people, people who are committed Christ followers, and they hear about what's going on in the world, and they're like, okay, God, how, why are you allowing this to happen? Why are you allowing all the fighting to go on 
in Israel and all that stuff. And there's a friend of mine, she posted this on our page. It wasn't her picture, but she put this picture up there. And it makes sense to me. And it caused such a rift, such a rift, especially among Christians. Here's what she put. And it says, my empathy for the suffering in Gaza does not make me anti-Semitic, meaning against the Jews, nor does it make me pro-Hamas or anti-Israel. It makes me human. I mean, it doesn't matter if you believe in God or you don't believe in God. If you're pro-Israel or you're anti-Israel, there are people dying. Children are dying. Husbands and wives, families being torn apart. People are dying. And to be concerned about it doesn't mean, hey, well, you know, yay Israel or yay Hamas. To be concerned about it just means people, human people are dying. And this is the kind of stuff that has come up that have made... um, People start asking questions like, how do I deal with this? How do I deal with that? How can God let this happen? Why doesn't God respond to this? Why doesn't God respond to that? And the church, we've got to have an answer for that. Because when people ask you, how can God let stuff like this happen? If you say, I don't know, which, I mean, that's a natural response. I, I don't know. I'm not God. I don't know. Then their natural response is, well, I don't know if I should believe in this Christian thing. But the reality is, and let me just respond to this for a minute before we move on. God didn't cause this. Humans caused this. And God is grieved too. Why? Because he loves humanity. He's not just grieved that Israel is being attacked. He's grieved that people are dying because the word says God loved the whole world. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He would much rather that the entire world come to Christ than half of them be killed off and then the rest come to Christ. And so I was asking someone or someone was asking me, they were like, well, what kind of what kind of other questions does the Bible answer? What kind of other questions can be responded to? So on that paper that you have in front of you, I want you to pull it out. We're going to walk through it quickly. And then we're going to spend a little bit of time in prayer, just praying in general. So the first thing on the form uh, is a question, what kind of things do you worry about? And you can write down as many things as some people, it might be I worry about finances. Some people might be I worry about the state of the world. Some people, it might be I worried about war. Some people, it might, the response might be I worry about, you know, the Ebola virus, because I worry about that. Uh, To me, that's, you know, the start of the zombie apocalypse. But whatever it is that you worry about, write that down. And what we're going to do is I'm going to collect all these. Leave them on the back table when you're done. I'm going to collect all these. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to teach from God's word to respond to as many of these as we can. Um, If there's like a hundred different answers, obviously not. But uh, the most common ones we're going to try to respond to from God's word because the Bible says for us not to worry. We shouldn't be wrapped with anxiety. But there are things going on in the world that keep us up at night, that makes our heart beat faster, that increases our anxiety level. So what kind of things do you worry about? For me, I got to tell you, the number one thing that I worry about, I worry about what's going on in the world. Number one thing that I worry about, like it's my anxiety level high, is I worry about the salvation of my kids. I have no way of knowing. I mean, they tell me one thing. I see them do another thing. I worry about their salvation. That's, that's the top of my worry list. But write down the things that you worry about. Also, um, what do you wonder about? 
What things do you wish that you understood just a little bit better that might make your life easier or that might give you a sense of peace? It, it may be like, why do children suffer? It may be, why does God allow war? It may be, why does God allow, you know, earthquakes and tornadoes and tsunamis that kill lots of people? It may be, why do people hate each other? Whatever things that you wonder about. And as a reference, what things do you Google the most? <laughs> What kind of things do you wonder about? Because I want to show you uh, from God's word, his response to that. And the number one thing that I wonder about, me personally, is I wonder what would actually, well, two things, and, and they're related. I wonder, why does God continue to use humans, humanity, to preach and share his word, to get the word out, when we're so flawed I mean, I'm, I'm human. I make mistakes. I've said before that it is not my intention, but it is likely that I'm going to say something that offends someone. It's not my intention. Uh, sometimes I do stupid things. Sometimes I do really stupid things. And thank you for no one saying amen, but it's true. It happens. I'm human. But I wonder, I, and it just boggles my mind, why does God use flawed human people to share his word? So write down what things you wonder about. And the last one, is what do you wish for? If money were no obstacle and time or other commitments uh, wouldn't stop you, what do you wish you could do? What do you wish you could see? What do you wish you could accomplish? What do you wish that someone else would do or that you could see happen or make happen? Uh, what do you wish uh, it might be to travel? It might be to start a charity. It might be to um, you know, start more ministries or all that kind of stuff. And dreams and wishes, those are powerful motivators. A lot of what we've accomplished across the globe have started with someone dreaming a dream. I wish I could do this. And someone else coming in, encouraging them and making it happen. And it's kind of what has gotten us where we are today. And this nation used to be known for its ingenuity and people just backing that level of ingenuity and taking it to the next level. So what do you wish for? What do you dream? What do you hope uh, would happen, and don't judge me, but sometimes, most of you know me, a lot of times, I really do wish I were Batman. I mean, I would love to be able to have unlimited financial resources to go out and just right wrongs that are being done when I see them. Um, I would love to have a guy named Alfred waiting on me hand and foot, drive a cool car, and wear the uniform. I mean, it's, who wouldn't? All right. But seriously, what do you wish for? What things inspire you that, oh, I would love to see this happen? Write those down. We're going to collect those at the end. But right now I'm going to ask the band to come up, and we're going to spend a little bit of time uh, praying. I'm also going to um, put these questions up online and ask people to respond to them. And also I'll have these questions available for anyone that wasn't here this week and may want to come and answer it next week. But I, I, I want everyone to be able to answer so that we can show you from God's word that, yeah, because God's word speaks about our hopes and our dreams as well. God doesn't want us to go out of here frustrated because we can't accomplish anything. But I also want to pray. I want to spend some time praying about the things that we worry about. And maybe it doesn't have to be something you wrote down, or maybe it can, but there are things that we that are weighing heavy on our heart. I know Shirley came up, and she was like, can we pray for all the war that's going on, because that's weighing heavy on our heart. Children are dying. People are dying. 
something that weighs heavy on my heart is, is just I don't understand how we can have a nation where people are dying from overeating while people are starving. And just that's just me. Food is a huge thing to me. But I know that God has created this planet in such a way that we could feed every person on the planet breakfast, lunch, and dinner three times over. But there are people starving all over the face of this planet. So I want to ask you if you have a prayer request. We haven't done this in a while. Um, Can you turn this microphone on? And Victoria, can you come up and grab us? If you have a prayer, uh, just raise your hand and we, we want to come together to Marty. Is it on? Okay, her sister Shirley's in the hospital for was it back surgery? All right, can we just pray for that quickly? God, we just lift up Marty's sister Shirley. We pray that your hand is upon her. We pray that her recovery from the surgery goes well. We pray that you would give peace to her family and, and to Marty as well, that they would know that you are the great physician. But also to put their faith and trust in you and not just in doctors, not just in uh, the therapy process but in a God that heals and restores and redeems. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Anyone else have a prayer request? That I'm starting a CDL course tomorrow to hopefully get a school bus driving job, which would be really perfect for me, hours, pay, and everything. And just praying that the Lord lead and that I'm sensitive enough to follow wherever he leads. That's my hope that this is what will work out, but it's in God's hands, so I'm just praying. All right, so for your your CDL license and that this is the direction that God wants you to pray, let's pray for Ann real quick. God, we pray that you would uh, be with Ann as she goes through the training. We pray that you would give her the confidence, the guidance. We pray that you would also give her a spirit of awareness and safety uh, for driving. And as she said, God, we pray that you would just guide her as the good shepherd, the protector, the one who gives direction, the one who gives provision, that you would guide her uh, in the direction that you want her to go, but also reassure her that you are that good shepherd that you can meet her needs, that you will provide her. Give her a sense of peace about what you are continually doing in her life and give her a song of praise in her heart for everything that you are about to do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to pray that the situation, the world's in and all the madness that's going on around us, that it will bring many people to Christ as their Savior. Amen. Amen. Let's pray for that because there's so much going on. But God, we pray that, as your word says, that you can use all things. And we pray that although there is tragic loss of life, there are so many things that that we've mentioned that are going on, that you would use them to reveal yourself, not just to your people, but to all people. That they would know that there is a God in heaven who loves them despite the craziness, despite the madness that's going on. 
that you would be glorified, that you would be lifted up, that you would be exalted, and that you would give us, your people, the boldness and the strength to boldly proclaim your name in every situation that we face. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? to share something. Uh, My sister-in-law came yesterday and brought me a bunch of shoes, which I bought. And she has recently become a Christian. And she said something to me that kind of just really hit, hits you. She said, you know, my neighbor across the street, and I know this man, He's been a pastor for years and always, you know, in their neighborhood, everybody always talks and everything. And she said, do you know that that man never once asked me if I was a Christian or told me how to become a Christian? And they've lived there for like 60 years. And... I thought, how many of us have not said to our neighbor or to sometimes the people sitting right in our church, because we assume, because people are in church, that they're all Christians. That's not true, you know. So it's, it like really opened my eyes to see that no matter who I talk to, it doesn't, you know, I don't have to know them. Church think, well, I'm okay.
so a few, oh, last year, I guess it was, she called me one day, and for an hour and a half, she belittled me, called me everything but a white lady, because I was ruining her life, because I was a Christian. Let's do this uh, because I'm sure we all have a family member, a friend, or a neighbor, somebody that we are uh, praying for, that we pray that God would bring them into the kingdom. And while we're sitting back praying, God, you know, bring them into the kingdom, God's looking down at us saying, yeah, go invite them. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand. This is what we're going to do. Just ask you to stand. And if you have, and we've done this before, a family member, a friend, I don't want you to say their name, but think of that person right now. And we're going to lift them up to God and pray that God, whether he use us or someone else, that he would reach them for his kingdom. So just bow your heads with me as we close. God, we, we lift up all the prayers that we said today. But most important is why you put the church here that we would be a vessel that you would use to reach the lost, to share with people that you loved us, that you suffered, that you died for us, and that to prove it, you rose again on the third day and that you fill us with your Holy Spirit as a guarantee, a deposit of who you are. So God, the family members, the friends, the neighbors that we're thinking of right now, whether it be us whether it be someone else, we pray, we pray, we pray that you would reach them. That if you would use us, that you would inspire us, propel us, encourage us, that we would go out to them and invite them to church, invite them to one of our gatherings, or just invite them out to coffee to get to know them better, to invite them into our lives if they're not already a part, Lord. And Lord, if you use someone else, we pray that you would encourage us to continually, consistently lift these people up in prayer. That they might know your love, experience your goodness and grace, and believe and trust that you are God. And God, we pray for us as a congregation that this would not be all that we do that we step out beyond these four walls on Sunday mornings into our circles of influence 
and that we would be witnesses of your goodness, your grace, and love, that we would have the boldness to share our story, share what you have done in our lives, but we would also have the honesty to share our struggles, to share our trials. God, we pray that for the things that we wrote down, the things that we worry about, that are some of them beyond our comprehension, that we entrust them all to you as the good shepherd. We pray about the things that we wonder. We pray about the things that we hope and dream for. And we pray with boldness. We pray with gladness. And we pray with rejoicing in our heart, knowing that we are lifting our prayers to a God who loves us unconditionally. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God people said, amen, amen, amen. Amen. If you haven't completed your survey, please complete it, fill it out, leave it on the back table. And then next week we will, uh, in, in the coming weeks, continue to answer some of your worries and prayers and concerns from God's word. God bless. Pray that everyone have a good weekend. See you next week.